one of your biggest enemies can be yourself. Um, for many years, I was overcritical of, of myself and of my music and my abilities, and I felt like I just had imposter syndrome, like for many years. And I, I, um, I just didn't fully believe in what I was capable of, and I kind of just thought like there was some big joke, like all these people saying that I'm talented was just like no, they can't actually think. <laughs> but yeah, the, it, it really comes down to self-love and, and belief in yourself. Back here with Saiwal Talk, and today we are with Corey Enemy. Hello. Um, I heard you grew up in Ridgecrest. Uh, tell us more about your childhood. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, grew up in a small desert town. In it's like near Death Valley. It's in California, it's called Ridgecrest. It uh, was an interesting place to grow up <laughs> for sure. Very secluded place. What was the population of the? city town man I don't remember I, it was definitely a lot smaller when I was growing up there in the 90s but uh, it's like a it's a military base out there and it's basically just a bunch of meth heads and oh. like and then people that work on the military base oh yeah I lived okay. like on a dirt road in a mobile home like it was, it was real. Oh, wow was was your dad in the military no oh no he, there was like a there's a whole nother story behind why my parents lived out there. They still live out there actually. But yeah, it's definitely, I wouldn't recommend moving there or even really going there. Wow. Yeah, it's like kind of like, they. Charles Manson was, his his ranch was discovered oh. there. Like oh, when he fun. was in hiding, when like, when yeah. they were looking for him after like the Sharon Tate murders, he was hiding out there for like 10 years or something. Cause, wow. Cause it's so in the butt fuck middle of nowhere. And did you listen to EDM growing up or? I listened to EDM growing up. EDM was not a thing when I was growing up. I'm 36 years old. <laughs> like that wasn't even a term. But yeah, I listened to electronic music when, okay. I, when I was growing up. I listened to like a lot of IDM, like Aphex Twin, Square Pusher kind of stuff, Warp Records stuff. I listened to a lot of like trip hop and listened to like Bjork was a big influence. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and when you moved out to Los Angeles, was it to pursue music? Uh, yeah, it was. You started producing at the age of 15? Yeah, like 15, yeah. What made you get into that? Uh, I've just been like playing in bands and stuff. Um, playing like, learning like instruments. And then I discovered electronic music and I was like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is like, the computer is going to be my next instrument, you know? And then I just, uh, I forget, I think I started on like Acid Pro was the, the program I used back then. But yeah, it was just like electronic music spoke to me. But I, I've always, even back then, tried to make electronic music feel a little bit more organic, incorporating a lot of like organic sounds. So it's not like straight electronic. 
Did you ever go to school for producing or was this just all self-taught? No, just all self-taught. And then when you moved to Los Angeles, um, were you doing it full time? Were you also? Um, man, <laughs> these questions are, are good. I just, <laughs> so long ago now. Uh, what happened? I moved. <laughs> what was my past? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I can say this. Things worked out for me, like, very quickly when I moved to L.A. And I was very blessed. I had a lot of kind of opportunities that, that came to me very quickly. And I just kind of met all the right people. I was introduced to a lot of, like, important people in the music industry at a, at a really young age, which wow. opened a lot of doors for me. And it just, I don't really know how it happened. I guess I was just kind of at the right place at the right time. It was, LA was a very different thing back then and the music scene was very different. Like there, there wasn't an EDM scene. Uh, back when I first moved to LA, like a lot of like the clubs and stuff that we would go to, they were, Mostly playing like indie rock kind of stuff. Uh, and then there started to be this emergence around like 2006, 2007 of like electronic sounds coming yeah. in. The underground warehouse. Yeah. Parties. Yeah. And even in these like these smaller clubs, like I used to resident DJ at Steve Aoki's club night, which be, this was before. EDM, oh, mind wow. you, it because his record label Denmark at that time had no electronic artists on it. Oh, it was all indie rock artists. Huh. And uh, he had the he had a night called Denmark Tuesdays, and it was like a lot of indie rock bands would play, and I would DJ like indie rock music there, and then oh. yeah, and then it's like slowly started to change. There was really like one like crucial moment in time that started changing the culture in LA uh, and that was when Daft Punk played at Coachella their like surprise set things kind of like changed very quickly after that and people like started getting more excited about dance music and then it was shortly after that that the the, uh, the Ed Banger thing happened with Justice and Busy P and Sebastian, and they started coming and playing shows in LA. And one of their first shows, actually, I think, was at Denmark, the Cinespace Denmark Tuesday night thing. And it was there was like only a couple hundred people there, and then they blew up shortly after that. And where were you doing like throughout this time? Were you just? I was there. I was around. You were around. Yeah. I you know I, like I played the very first hard in 2007. Oh wow. Yeah, it was like. Justice, A-Track, Busy P, Steve Aoki, uh, Peaches, and myself. Wow. Yeah, very. That was the very first first one. Where did it all start? How did you meet all these people? I met. I met a a, a guy. His name is Chris Holmes, and he's he's like my brother now, and he kind of like took an interest in me and uh, was kind of managing me and he was he's still a very connected person mm -hmm. um, and he actually introduced me personally to like 
to the Daft Punk guys and became like friendly with them and got to go wow. to like I got to go to the the Tron like private screening when they oh. did the soundtrack to Tron and it was literally just like Daft Punk and their their friends and family That's and awesome. and I think Jeff Bridges was there with his family and yeah this this guy Chris he's a very connected guy he introduced me to Tom York to Bjork mm -hmm. like some of these people that were like like legends to me growing up that I thought I'd never meet in a million years and I was still really young and just kind of settling into LA and feeling overwhelmed and being like oh crap I'm like from a small town and like this is a big place and then all of a sudden I just like started meeting like all these, all these people, people. Wow. in the music industry and um, yeah I, it was only a few years after that that I ended up meeting Dallas Austin you guys who who mentored me and he signed me to my first deal and I moved to Atlanta and lived with him and he's like kind of like a legendary music producer guy from the he did a bunch of amazing music with like Michael Jackson TLC Boys to Men Janet Jackson Madonna like huge list of really amazing legacy like you know legendary acts and being introduced to him and him having like taken me under his wing I got introduced into the commercial music industry and got a lot of really big opportunities and met a bunch of other people and networked in that world wow and so because of like my original foundation in the music scene in in the early days of like the electronic music scene happening in Los Angeles I was there at the beginning of that and a lot of my friends all went on to become huge DJs and then I went on to do this kind of pop thing I maintained my connection to both the, the EDM world as that started exploding and then the pop world and then when those things started merging Flying. together and be, becoming like one and the same I was kind of there in the forefront of that as well and doing a lot of work okay helping bridging that over and bringing pop songs to a lot of EDM artists so you were really there at the right time yeah really yeah <laughs> Um, so I know you worked for like Carly Rae Jepsen, like you got into more pop, Miley Cyrus, yeah. like how did that transition for you? Um, yeah, that was mostly through Dallas because uh, I actually had no aspirations to do pop music at oh. all. Um, I was, even as I was getting into it initially, I was pretty apprehensive about it because I just didn't really like a lot of pop music that was uh, happening at the time. Um, and now I love pop music. It's it's really changed quite a bit, and it's it's become very diverse. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of like indie sounds that I've loved over the years have started to actually become pop and influence the sounds of pop radio. And but what was the question again? <laughs> I guess how did you transition over to pop? But yeah, you answered yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I transitioned just kind of organically. I just the opportunity came and I was like okay like I'll, I'll try doing this and then you know over after a decade of doing it I just was like oh I guess I'm a pop music producer songwriter now and then when did you start Spectrum was that during with Dallas or was that after that was after, after? Dallas okay. yeah um, yeah you know I started really young and I came up under Dallas and a handful of other mentors and then after 
years of doing that, I found myself in a position to be able to kind of start my own company and um, help guide young artists and um, do like just like publishing deals and artist uh, development deals and kind of just help people that I saw out in the world that were like interesting to me and give them a chance you know in the same way that like Dallas that did for me chance, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's kind of like you're giving back. Yeah, it's a pay it forward kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, how many artists do you currently have that's under Spectrum? I've got three artists signed to me, and then I also do con like just uh, consultant work hmm. where it's a kind of I help develop artists um, in partnership with other other companies. Um, and then I also have like some songwriters um, that I've signed that I work with, and yeah, I do just do whatever I can. You know? <laughs> uh, what's the next steps for Spectrum? Like, what do you see the company going next? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think. COVID has really changed my perspective on a lot of things, but it's uh, it's one of those things that I, I never really started the company or got into the, the business because it's like some like grand scheme of mine or like master plan to grow it into some gigantic company. It's just like a, I, I realize that I'm in a position to help people and I have been pretty choosy about who I am who I kind of work with. work with and it's you know it's I'm just happy to like be working with people that I think are really talented and be making money and staying alive and you know I've been blessed in my life I think there I'm sure things will progress and grow but it'll all be organic I don't really I don't know where it's going what are some of the challenges that you faced throughout your career? Good questions. <laughs> um, quite a few. Um, mostly they were internal. A lot of self-sabotage. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think one of your biggest enemies can be yourself. Um, for many years, I was overcritical of, of myself and of my music and my abilities, and I felt like I just had imposter syndrome, like for many years. And I, I, um, I just didn't fully believe in what I was capable of, and I kind of just thought like there was some big joke, like all these people saying that I'm talented was just like, no, they can't actually think <laughs> But yeah, the, it, it really comes down to self-love and, and belief in yourself. And I, you know, struggled with that for many years, which can hold you back creatively. And the other side of that is also just, you know, trying to, trying to avoid comparing yourself to other people, which I think is a huge problem today with people in general, especially with social media, you 
people are like glued to their phones on social media and they see other people's lives being lived on Instagram lives. and it's easy to, to think that a person's life is a certain way because it appears a certain way on Instagram mm -hmm. and they don't see the reality of what it is and so you're comparing your life to that person's life but you don't actually know what that person's life is really like yeah. and you know it, it can be easy to become overwhelmed by that and you know looking at everyone else's successes or what appears to be successes and feeling maybe like discouraged by it mm -hmm. but yeah I you know I when I was a lot younger I, it was difficult for me to not compare myself to other people and and even just creating music I would always compare every single song that I did to the greatest song that I know of and if it wasn't up to that standard then I would just trash it and oh, wow. because of that I just would never finish anything and then you know the reality is it's all subjective like you know just because I think that some song is the greatest song of all time doesn't mean that somebody can't think of a song that I did is a better song than that song it's just personal opinion you know so I learned to like kind of just throw all out that out the let window it let it go just make stuff let it be what it is not think too much about it and kind of make peace with the fact so that I'll probably well. always hate everything that I do and it's okay you know as you know wow. other people might like it that's cool do you share these struggles publicly as well or is this all just something you keep to yourself oh yeah all the time um, I I feel like I've learned quite a bit in my journey through you know working in the music industry and just in life in general and I as I like make friends with some of these younger artists that I'm also like helping I I, I feel obligated to share my experiences mm -hmm. in, in a in hope that they can take something from it and you know maybe learn from, learn it. from it so you mentioned earlier that you were your own enemy sometimes yeah. is that where your name came from <laughs> or is that something different that's really funny <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just had to ask I mean. yeah no that isn't where the name comes from okay. but it is fitting <laughs> So what, where did the name come from? I don't really remember. Oh. I, I had like a, I had a band like a long time ago called Pink Enemy, and mm -hmm. uh, we I think we got the name because somebody probably jokingly said that we sounded like Pink Floyd in Public Enemy. I don't really remember. It was a long time ago, and we're like, okay, that sounds like a cool name. We're Pink cool, Enemy yeah. now. It was like a like full like for the walls kind of thing. <laughs> And then, um, then I started doing remixes and our, you know, my band like had some like hype around it. So when I started doing remixes, the blogs would be like, oh, this is Corey from Pink Enemy doing this remix because I wouldn't do it under the Pink Enemy name. Mm -hmm. And they just started kind of calling me Corey Enemy. Got it. And I was like, that's cool. I'll just use that name. <laughs> I had something so much like deeper and you're just like, yeah, it was just yeah, no, it was, in the fun. It's all through the walls. I don't know. <laughs> it was then for yeah. sure. Um, did your parents support you um, in your musical journey? Yeah, they definitely have supported me most of my life through music, I think. And my, my, my mom is a musician. Oh, she loves music. It's genetic. Yeah. So... 
I think she was probably happy to see that I um, also took an interest in music. What's um, upcoming projects for you? Um, so I, I kind of like had retired for a little bit, like indefinitely I thought, oh. <laughs> from the artist thing. Um, for how long? It just didn't really like resonate with me. I, you know, I did a lot of touring when I was younger and I just really hated touring. <laughs> you know, there was like, a, to a point I loved it. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, and then yeah. after a while it's like, I, yeah, I can't maintain relationships mm -hmm. and I, you know, I can't work on music as often as I want to. And it just really was not like the lifestyle for me and okay. things with the pop thing, with the pop, part of my life kind of started taking off more and I I just felt the universe telling me that that's where I should go and I'm really happy that I did that um, but more recently I've kind of because uh, I never stopped making music that's kind of for myself and not for other people and I've like have a big collection of songs and stuff that I've done over the years and I continue to make all the time so uh, last year I uh, I kind of had the idea with my mentor who I mentioned earlier, Dallas Austin, mm -hmm. we had like thrown around the idea of doing an artist project for oh, many wow. years. And I, you know, I finally just said, you know, like, let's just do it. Cause I got a bunch of these songs and Dallas, he's uh, he's like a legendary person. And so I, I thought it would be amazing opportunity and just he's I trust him like family you know and I, the idea of doing it as a partnership with somebody kind of relieves the pressure from me and not having to feel like I have to tour it all the time and I have a, mm -hmm. a partner that can also tour and we don't have to do it together always so we started this project called Dalco which is a combination of our names Dallas and Corey Dalco uh, it's D-A-L-I-C-O the I is silent awesome that's yeah. exciting yeah and when was this uh project started we started just last year and oh. we've been we have a bunch of music uh, we were we've released kind of soft released a couple things but uh, we we had like bigger plans of, for releasing but we decided to kind of hold off until uh, things get more normal in the world so that we can uh, back it up with Do like regular. instant tour support because we're you know we're, we have like an agent standing by and we have oh, a wow. great management team and we've got like all everything the pieces all put together but yeah. we're we feel a bit trapped and he lives in Atlanta and I live in LA so it makes it a little bit tricky for us to to get together yeah, you know yeah. but um yeah so that's like a new thing exciting and yeah we've got like a bunch of cool collabs in the works oh. we've got some like working on some stuff can you with snake hips and CeeLo Green and did some some remixes for some people and yeah so that's how many songs are you planning to release once everything dies down um th for this year i think we're just gonna because we're sitting on so much music regardless of if touring becomes an option for us mm -hmm. uh we're just gonna start releasing it and we've we've got like three eps ready to wow. go We've got like a song with Luna George Ooh. that I think's coming out in a couple months, and uh, yeah, just a bunch of shit. It's exciting! Wow, yeah, it's a lot coming up for you. Yeah, and then um, I've been also kind of developing some other artists and helping them. There's an artist her name is Elohim that I've been working with oh, yeah, for yeah. many years. Um, 
a dear friend of mine, massively talented. Yeah, she and, is. Um, we've, you know, found a groove together, working and making, creating music together, and I help her out with a lot of her, her productions. And she actually lives like nine minutes from here. Oh, nice. She's in the hood. That's but awesome. uh, yeah, that's been like a real passion project for me because I love her and I'm, I'm a big fan of her music. Yeah. And it's been a great like creative outlet for me because we get to make kind of weird stuff. And yeah, there's another artist I'm uh, been developing on. and I just signed his name is Away. Mm -hmm. um, he does like, it's like, industrial future base he's got a, a collab coming out with Rez soon um, and also uh, Crywolf our roommate he's yeah. he's featured on the song as well so it's it's uh, away X Rez featuring Crywolf Crywolf I also mentioned read in your bio that you also worked with K-pop and J-pop artists do you still work with I do yeah I, I do a lot of J-pop and K-pop um, that sort of just happened I, uh, I'm, I'm half Japanese and I, um... Do you speak Japanese? Not really. Oh. Like, I've dated a couple of Japanese girls in Japan and I, because of that, I started learning a little bit. Um, oh. because it can be tricky dating somebody that doesn't speak English super well and communication is so important. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I've, I learned enough to be able to like, tell taxis where to take me and order mm -hmm. food at restaurants and like have very basic conversations but I wouldn't say that I, I speak Speaking. Japanese but um yeah I started I went to Japan for the first time like eight years ago and I just like fell in love with the place I you know I've been to a lot of different countries and something about Japan like really resonated with me and it just felt like my maybe like a connection to my heritage. I don't know, it was a very spiritual experience for me. And I just instantly knew that on that first trip, I was like, I need to figure out a way to make Japan a place of like part of my life. And I kind of just like set this intention to make that happen somehow. I had no idea how, because the first time I went there, I just went there kind of as a tourist. Yeah. And the second time I went there, I went there a little bit work related, but it was for a smaller kind of J-pop thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I had been learning a little bit about the Japanese music industry, but you know, I just had no idea how to like really infiltrate. And mm. then um, maybe like a year or two after that, I um, got connected with uh, a company in Japan, which they're the largest music company in Japan. It's LDH and AVEX. And I just got the opportunity to kind of do a partnership with them. And um, I took it and I got a place out there and I started living oh. out there. And I kind of was traveling back and forth for many years. Spending, That's a dream. Yeah. And I, now I have like a family out there, friends and amazing people. And I've worked with this company out there, LDH and AVEX. And I've produced and written quite a few J-pop songs in the last couple of years. Wow. And I'm still actively doing that. So um, our battery died and we are now sitting for the rest of the sidewalk talk uh, with this beautiful background at the greenhouse. Welcome to my pool. <laughs> so um, continuing on the whole J-pop, um, mm. I know you're talking about your 
career with J-pop and Far right. East Movement. Yeah, I did uh, years ago. I did a lot of work with Far East Movement, producing records for them, and we just kind of became friends. And then those guys have been really crushing it in Korea for, and and all throughout Asia, really. For they they kind of pivoted their leveraged their success in in the U.S. to build a, a, a really successful brand. Mm and relationships in, in Asia and they kind of moved more into the business side of things as well and they built a company called Transparent and Transparency sorry and uh, we decided to partner our companies together for, to work on uh, kind of in Asian territories and they, mm -hmm. they helped introduce me to a lot of contacts in the music industry in Korea and Japan which was kind of my entry point into getting into J-pop and you know which then led to me living there and um, yeah, so that that's kind of how I got into doing that, and I and I think I never really had uh, any like um, ambitions to work in J-pop or K-pop, mm. but I knew that I wanted to live in Japan and spend a lot of time there. So that kind of just ended up becoming like my excuse to be able to live there. Was, got it. And then I ended up really getting into it. But yeah, I was like, I'm going to work in J-pop so that I can live here. <laughs> It worked out in the yeah, end. Yeah, which I, I was saying I love Japan. It's such an amazing place. And recently you have been doing more K-pop. Yep, been working on some K-pop stuff. Um, working on the, with this artist, Atease, which is um, on BTS's label, I believe. Oh. And we're doing like kind of working to, to develop some sounds for him to potentially break him in the U.S. Um, in, in partnership with, with Sony RCA. Yeah, that's just one of the many things. So how do you manage your time? Like you have so many projects going on and it seems like you have a lot of upcoming things. Um, how do you do it? It's tricky. Uh, I used to be really bad at it. Um, I had no focus. I was really unorganized. Um, and then I, I knew that I probably had ADD um, mm. when I was a kid like I was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD and my parents would give me like Ritalin and then I was like I'm not taking this crap and I would like sell it to my friends oh. but uh, then as I got older at a certain point I was like okay th I definitely have an issue mm. with focusing and organizing myself and my life and I decided to take Adderall um, and I wasn't like taking like a lot of it mm. to, like like the way like some kids would do the like to like cram like a 24-hour study mm -hmm. in or something like I would just take I guess what would probably be like a medical dose of it and I did it for th you know three months I think I did it for three months and during that time um, I, it kind of rewired my brain and I, I stopped taking it and after that point I just learned how to really focus and everything in my life became so much more streamlined and it became a lot easier for me to manage multiple projects because I, I'm working on so many different things and uh, I got a lot better at delegating and managing um, and bringing on people that I trust and working with a team in uh, an efficient way and for a while I had I actually decided to manage myself um, and then I stepped away from that and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I've like learned how to be good at managing myself and now I'm going to bring on some, some managers and build my team out and now I, I kind of help manage other people. You oversee people. everyone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. 
it's big changes going yeah. from. Yeah, I guess it's just growing up. I don't like, know, getting getting better getting at adulting. Yeah. Know. Okay, and um, I know you've been talking about a lot of different projects, but do you have any more upcoming projects you want to talk about? I feel like. Um. Let's see, we talked about Dalco. Um, talked about Elohim, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and then Dan away. We talked about away. Mm -hmm. Um, I've uh, you're going through the whole list of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've also been. I, I've kind of helped uh, Destructo oh. Gary Richards. Um, he's an old friend of mine. I, I mentioned I played the very first hard in 2007. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, we've been friends for a really long time. But uh, as he kind of started his artist career, I've helped him out, like um, with you know co-production work and helping him out with productions over mm -hmm. the years and. He, him and I have been working on uh, a couple EPs recently. Um, we've, I think he, he's one of the songs that we've done all during quarantine. Actually, we've done like, we've got like seven songs, I think. Oh. Anyways, we got one. The the first of that batch is, is coming out very soon, Ooh. and it's uh, Destructo featuring Channel Trace and Thundercat, and there's another name that will be on that. That's a a, uh, a new a new artist that's kind of a secret but yeah so yeah that's another thing I've been working on wow I, I can't wait to hear the music when it comes out <laughs> my last question would be um, what do you want to be remembered for mm, good question um, when I was younger especially when I was like in my teens I had like you know the idea in my mind that I wanted to be like a big famous musician and I wanted my music to like be my legacy and um, as I've gotten older it's actually drastically shifted and for me I, I, my path which I could talk for hours about but th through through my experiences using psychedelic medicines like mushrooms and DMT I, I've kind of realigned my my relationship to the world and my life and the meaning of life and my purpose for being here and what has ended up surfacing as the I think the the most important part of my existence as I see it now is the the spread of of empathy and love mm -hmm. and helping people and connectivity and um, you know, there, it's a it's a crazy world we live in now, and because of social media and a lot of different reasons, I think genuine connectivity amongst people and in, mm -hmm. in in society and communities is it's really it's changed, and I think we live in in a lot of ways in in a false reality, mm -hmm. and people have become more focused on superficial connectivity and. And that, to me, it feels like it feels like a plague on society, and it's a real problem. So, for me, I put a lot of energy and focus in building community and mm -hmm. in a meaningful way, finding people that are like-minded and interested in doing the same thing, and interested in spiritual growth and expanding your mind, and um, just the spread of compassion, love, understanding, empathy 
facilitating those things and inspiring other people to to do the same thing and finding people that inspire me to do the same mm. thing in this kind of feedback loop um, that's become kind of my life mission now and maybe I can achieve that through music but uh, whatever the means that's I hope that that is what I'm remembered for mm. I hope people remember me as Corey was a, a guy that inspired love I don't really care if my music is, if I'm remembered for my music, oh. to be completely honest with you. Okay, so we got some fan questions for you. Okay. Um, what is your advice for newbies on how to produce? Mm. Well, it's pretty simple. The 10,000 hour rule is definitely real. Oh, wow. um, and in order to actually get 10,000 hours in on anything, you kind of have to be obsessed. You have to really, when I was first getting into it, it was like an obsession. Uh, you it has to not feel like work it has to be something where you're sitting down at your computer and you're doing it and eight hours can go by and you don't even realize it and you look at the clock you're like, oh my god how did eight hours go by and it's because you're you're just so consumed by it that everything else kind of just ceases to exist and that's how you get through your 10,000 hours um, it's literally just doing it the other the other thing too which is something that was not really available to me when I first started out um, utilize online tutorials YouTube tutorials there's so much out there I wish that those things were available to me when I was starting out um, but I'm old so they didn't have <laughs> YouTube back then uh, but yeah that's definitely a massive tool that people should be utilizing okay. um, what's next what are the sources you use to learn and how? Um, well, first thing that's important, I think, that to, to talk about is the, the concept of being a music producer. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think that this has kind of changed in people's mind, especially in like the younger generation of, of producers and music creators out there. Before like DAWs, before like Ableton and Logic mm -hmm. and Fruity Loops, all that, like um, producers back in the day, they often were not engineers. So they would just kind of sit on a couch while they had engineers sitting there doing all the technical side <laughs> of it. And the, the producer, it, it's their job. They're kind of like the director of a film, right? Mm -hmm. So the director is not editing. They're not mixing the sound. They're, they're not designing the costumes. Mm -hmm. the, the director kind of oversees everything. They have the larger vision in their, in their mind of what the movie should look like mm. so a producer has the vision in their mind of what it should sound like um, and back back in the day they would work with engineers um, people that would actually work the technical side of things oh, wow. um, and it's make their engineer? make their yeah sound engineers um, and mix engineers and people that would kind of help bring the, the producers vision to life mm. um, now because of technology, a lot of time, of most producers, especially in the electronic world, they are both the producer and the engineer. Mm -hmm. They're wearing both hats, right? Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's important to to make that distinction between these two different roles, mm -hmm. and that they are different. Um, so when a person is becoming a, a producer in the in the electronic world kind of the first thing they end up doing is le actually learning the technical side. Mm -hmm. they, they're not learning much as much about being a music producer as they are being a, a sound engineer. The foundation. Yeah, they're, do they're learning the technical side, how to, how to design sounds, how to mix. Um, and that's all important if you're going to be doing it on your own. Um, and there's lots of tutorials that will teach you presets. I mean, they'll teach you um, sound design. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of presets out there that you can just like download the presets oh. and then have sounds you can start working with right away and you know splices is hugely popular now and it, there's a lot of tools that make it very easy to get going on the sound side um, but the producer side it, it, it's there's like philosophy behind it and there's a, there's it's a whole other thing and I would recommend with learning oh we got I know it's like we got the guy <laughs> I'm just like listening to something like, oh, I hope this is not that loud <laughs> okay guy Is that a leaf blower? What is it? It's probably a leaf blower, yeah. No! no. <laughs> I'll just get really close to the microphone. Yeah. I'll just finish my thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of books out there um, that will dive into what it is to be a music producer. Because it, it's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that is shaping a song and creating a final product. And conceptualizing a song and so yeah read read books and watch YouTube tutorials about the, the the sound engineering side and understand that there's a difference some of these great producers like legendary producers like uh, Quincy Jones it's not really an engineer he works with engineers you know mm. Anyway, uh, now the leaf blower stops. <laughs> okay, next question. Okay, we have a lot of questions. Sorry. How do you pay for your insane plant habit? Mm. <laughs> plants are expensive. Um, man, I've spent a lot on plants. 
I just uh, I well first of all if you buy plant if you know where to buy plants you can save money uh, I go to downtown to the flower district mm -hmm. in the flower district flower market there's like the LA flower market mm -hmm. uh, in that whole area there's like a like a two block area there there's a ton of plant shops and yeah. they are um, wholesaler so you can get much cheaper. cheaper prices than if you go to some of these like boutique Bougie. nurseries yeah nice nurseries. especially <laughs> since like plants have become kind of like a trendy thing yeah. you know like so now there's a lot of these like spots you go to like in hollywood and silver lake and they're selling you like a little succulent and it's like in a cute little pot and it's like that's 25 dollars. <laughs> like are you kidding me you like you like can get that yeah market. exactly yeah, yeah so that's a good trick that's okay a good tip. so just finding the right place to buy it from yeah Okay, and um, does your hair have a life of its own? It it really <laughs> does. I don't do anything to it. I it I just wake up and it's like this, um, <laughs> and it just kind of does whatever well. I want it to do. I don't know. <laughs> it's an it's animal. Like its own shape. Yeah, <laughs> it's different every day. It's so funny. Depending on how I sleep on it, I guess. Um, who's your favorite up and coming artist? I know you're talking about, I don't want to butcher her name, Elohim? Elohim. Elohim. Oh, Elohim. I totally butchered it. <laughs> Elohim is definitely one of my favorite up-and-coming artists. Um, I, I mentioned that I'm working with her and been working with her for several years now. Before I started working with her, I was a fan, actually. Um, and so, she's, I'm not just hyping her because I'm working with her. I, I really think she's an incredible artist. She's doing something very unique carving her own lane and she's uh, more importantly using her success and the fact that people are paying attention to her she's using it to focus uh, the, those people's attention onto uh, social issues that are important to her like mental health um, which I don't think there is enough of that mm. today I don't think there's enough artists and celebrities out there uh, influencers using their their loud platform. platform to direct people to things that matter you know mm. You know, there's things that matter in the world outside of gossip and self-promotion. Um, any other up-and-coming artists? There's a long list of new artists. I'm just trying to think who I would want to mention. Um, there's an artist I just discovered recently that is incredible and not many people know about him. Um, his name is Fote. It's hmm. P-H. Fote. I think it's Fote. Oh, God. What if it's not? People are looking it up. <laughs> I can't find Fote. Oh, crap. Um, if it's not Fote, uh, she'll put the real name below us right now. <laughs> We're just going to leave this uh, part right here. List of artists. Yeah, there'll be a artists. list of... Uh, right down here, there's going to be a long <laughs> this list. <is> it. <laughs> yeah, right here. Um, sorry. Then, okay. I'm horrible. Um, who is your favorite artist that you've worked with? That's a really good question. Um... There's some hard-hitting questions. Yeah. Well, it's just, I've worked with so many artists over the years. Working with Chris Brown was really interesting. Uh, he is incredible at what he does. Mm. Um, working with Sia, also mind-blowing. She's wow. probably the best vocalist I've ever worked with. Her and songwriter as well. I mean, when I, she's very down to business, but when I've worked with her in the past, she will show up on the dot exactly uh -huh. on time, 
not late, not early. She shows up and it's there's really no small chit chat. It's like straight to it. Straight to it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've watched her write an entire top line start to finish in like 20 minutes. And then she goes in the booth and she cuts the entire thing in one take. Wow. She'll do the whole lead start to finish one take. Very, very seldomly will do a second take. She'll Impressive. be like, and it doesn't need to because it's perfect. Wow. It's absolutely perfect. I've never worked with another artist that's like that. Usually they do multiple takes and then you comp between the best parts of each take. Mm. Um, and then she'll go and do her harmonies and her backgrounds. And Jeez. then she'll be like, okay, I'm off. And then she'll go to her next session. And, wow. and it's perfect. Just like that. And it's done. And you're just like, Jesus, I, I am just witnessed like true greatness. Prodigy. <laughs> yeah, she is a she's amazing wow and a very sweet person huh. yeah okay and how many plants do you own <laughs> back to the plants oh man <laughs> we should go count but should we just <laughs> this is richard <laughs> this yeah. is bob <laughs> um it's if i had to guess i did i did used to keep track um it's over a hundred plants oh. now yeah wow and I remember you mentioned it took over an hour or 45 minutes to water? I think it takes about 45 minutes a week to water, my watering schedule now, yeah. Do you have a favorite plant? Mm. <laughs> Probably my bonsai, oh. just because it's been alive for so long. How like many years has it been? 15, 16 years now, yeah. It's like half the age of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you baby. <laughs> um, yeah. That's my favorite. Thank you guys for tuning in for our interview with Corey Enemy, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thanks for coming to the treehouse. I know. I mean, the greenhouse. Beautiful. The beautiful treehouse was my old house. <laughs> the newly updated greenhouse. The greenhouse. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>